Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. There is a man pinned to a cross. He's willingly surrendered himself to authorities. He's been beaten beyond human description. Nails pierce his wrists, his feet. He cannot breathe. Jews and Romans alike are standing, staring, waiting for him to die. The leaders of both groups wanting desperately for this whole Messiah thing to just blow over. And so they wait. It'll all be over soon. There's just one problem. This story is not about death. This story is about life. Jesus is placed in a borrowed tomb. He's wrapped in burial clothes and is dressed for death. But after three days, an angel of the Lord forces the fierce Roman brigade to abandon its position. The stone door is forced to do the same. There is no body there. An angel of the Lord, grinning like a little boy, says to his confused followers, There's just one problem. This story is not about death. This story is about life. 2,000 years later, a room is filled with a group of people. There's a woman who struggles with self-worth and value. There's a man who just became a widower. There's a teenage boy who hates his existence, sitting next to his mother who has no answers for him. There's a young couple, one step away from calling it quits, but won't admit it to anyone. And there's a deeply weathered soul who is giving church one last chance. We're all people who need life. We're all people who crave it. And 2,000 years ago, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, the one thing we cannot possibly miss was his offer to all of us. Life. And while we may feel like we experience more death than we do life, there's just one problem with that. Your story is not about death. Your story is about life. Your story is about life. Your faith is about life. Our church is about life. And really, no matter what challenges you're facing today, whatever hurts you've come in with, whatever baggage you're kind of schlepping on in here, we're really here to do one thing today. We want to speak life into you on Easter and encourage you. Uh, that's what uh, Liquid is all about. I'm thrilled you're here. My name is Pastor Tim. Can I say happy Easter when I hear it? Happy Easter. Good to see you guys. Thrilled you're joining us. Uh, I'm, I, I just need to say, if it's your first time, we're not going to do anything weird. Uh, the snake handling comes later in the service. So that's, that's a very good thing. Everyone, everyone just take a deep breath. <sighs> Big exhalation, all right? We want to give a special welcome to our church family who's joining us online in New Brunswick and Nutley. Can we hear it for our church family? We love you guys at all of our campuses. Thrilled you guys are with us today. Uh, well, I want to, today I want to share a message with you that I am calling the bone collector. I'm not talking about that movie with Denzel Washington a while ago. This is a message God planted in my heart really earlier this spring during our church-wide fast. Show of hands, how many of you have actually participated in the fast towards Easter here? Praise God. That is awesome. Just to see that many people hungry for the word of God. And, and I got a, a hot one for you today. Uh, there was a preacher in the Old Testament who said, God's word is shut up in my bones like a fire. I have to let it out. It's worth 
burns like a bone, like a, like a fire in my bones. I can't hold it in. And that's a little bit how I feel uh, today about this message, the bone collector, because I really think that God is going to speak to some of you through this word, and I can't wait to kind of kind of hear God talk. So let's just kind of jump right in. I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 37. It's on page 605 there in the Old Testament. If everyone can open up their Bible, this is an ancient prophecy from the Old Testament that gives this incredible picture of revival. We've been talking about revive, revival. This is revival. This is the picture of the power of God to breathe new life into something that's as dry as a bone. Now, Ezekiel is over 2,000 years old, about 2,600 years old, but I want to show you how this connects with the resurrection of Jesus, and most importantly, the difference this can make in your life today. So let's just dive right in. In Ezekiel chapter 37, here's what it says. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, and he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of this valley, bones that were what? They were very dry, and he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know, and then he said to me, prophesy or preach to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And then I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And we'll stop right there. Does anybody know, maybe some of you medical people might know, how many bones there are in the human body? I want to take a guess. Wow, we got some scientists here. 206 bones in the adult human skeleton. You know where the majority of them are? Anyone know? The hands, you have 54. Take a look at it. 54 bones in your hands, okay? You got, it's amazing. Well, Ezekiel was a preacher who kind of had a bone to pick with God because we're told the Spirit of God set him in the middle of this valley that was full of bones. And you know, there are a lot of places where we would like God to kind of take us on our journey of faith with him. But my guess is a valley full of dry bones would not be one of them. Uh, first off, we kind of prefer the mountaintops. We're like, God, I'd love to kind of, you know, when, you put, when God puts you in a high place, a mountaintop experience, instead of placing you low on the valley floor. And Ezekiel must have thought like, come on, God. I mean, the apostle Paul was actually taken in the spirit to the third heaven. But where does the spirit of the Lord take Ezekiel? A valley. And it was full of dry bones. Just take a look at them over here. I think we've got a scapula. We got a fibula. We, oh, look at this. We got, we got a set of teeth over here. This is, our, this is our seniors' ministry. You can just take a look there. Everyone wave hi. I mean, what, we look at this. These, it's amazing. The text says these bones were scattered all over this valley, and they were very dry. Not just dry, but very dry. It means that they had been there for some time. Because for a bone to completely like dry out, you're talking years, probably decades. And this is a picture of desolation, total decay, death, and destruction. I mean, what do you do when things break down in your life? What do you do when things fall apart? Because the truth is, every single one of us in this room, you will come to a point in your journey with God when something just dries up. It could be a relationship. It could be 
your job. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe your faith was like once alive and vibrant, but now it's just kind of brittle and dry and kind of falling apart. And you can't imagine any of this coming to life again. Look at this one, half a skull cap right here. I'll give you an example. Maybe you're single again for the first time in years. Maybe you're a new widow or divorced, and you look at your your future, and you wonder, you say, God, do I have a future? Because how, how many, I, I live with loss, and I live with regret. Will I ever know joy again? Or maybe someone you love has received, you know, a health diagnosis that's kind of left you reeling. Last Sunday, I met with a woman who went in for just a, a routine mammogram, and, uh, and, and it, the diagnosis was breast cancer. And she said to me, she said, it was the strangest thing, Pastor Tim. I went into that appointment thinking about what I was going to make for dinner for my family, And I walked out thinking, do I have a future with my family? We have these moments where God leads us into something inexplicable. Nobody plans for it. Nobody wants to wake up in a valley of dry bones, but there you are. That's kind of how it was for Israel. That's who Ezekiel was talking to at the time. This is in verse 11. We're told these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. See, for years, Israel had kind of walked with God. They were his chosen people, and they figured it would just kind of go on like that for year after year, but it didn't. At the time of Ezekiel, Israel was a conquered nation. They'd actually lost their land. They'd lost their homes. They were scattered, literally living in exile in other countries. And it kind of knocked the wind out of them to see their loved ones, their bodies literally scattered on the floor of this valley because it meant it was only a matter of time before their whole nation would be erased from the memory of the earth. I mean, this, this was, they were like, we're cut off. That's curse language from God. There's like hope was fading. And maybe you look at a situation in your life that way. You feel hopeless because all you see is dry bones. In this church, we have a lot of people whose work has dried up. They're, they're struggling with unemployment. A lot of people figured, well, maybe, you know, once the economy bounces back, I'll bounce back. But, but you didn't. When your career or your job dries up, it is very easy to lose hope. None of us like it when we find ourselves in a valley of dry bones. My friend JP did not. Some of you know JP Robinson and his wife Sam, just incredible couple. You see them a lot of times smiling in the lobby on Sundays. They have a beautiful family. But this past fall, JP got some very difficult news that his journey of faith would lead him directly through a valley of dry bones. My name is JP Robinson. This is Sam Robinson. And, um, Last year I was working at Island Def Jam Records, art directing people like um, Justin Bieber or uh, Rihanna or Kanye or someone like that um, and helping to create icons. Due to the economy and political um, things, I was laid off. The record labels are cutthroat and um, there's a knife in your back many days and the people that had put me in place were no longer there. The, uh, the life that, you know, was breathed into my career, had been taken away, and suddenly I was left alone. With JP suddenly around the house, um, I have to admit, it was a bit of a, of a change. Uh, we had to get used to it first. You know, when I got laid off, that was honestly the, um, the closest I've ever felt to losing my mind. You're sitting at the computer, and you're, you're looking for work, and you're being so positive and sending so many emails, and you can still hear the doubt whispered in your ear. Don't apply for that job. You can't get that. Or you're not qualified. Or, and it's, it's the first time in my life that I've actually 
you know, had to make a conscious decision to not let something bring me down. When you're in that situation and it's been six months and or a year or two years or whatever it is, it's hard. It's hard out there to really keep yourself fired up. I was afraid when I got laid off. I was afraid that I would be a failure in her eyes. Um, and I have to say that that looking at her every day, I never, never once felt like a failure. And always, always <laughs> felt encouraged. What do you do when things dry up? When, when you find yourself in a valley with the wind just kind of knocked out of you? I, w- I wonder what's dried up for you. Today on the front of your program, we put a post-it note, looks like this. You guys got a sticky note? Take that off. Would you wave it at me? Take your sticky note, just kind of wave it, wave your note there. If you had to, let me ask you this, if you had to write one word, just one word on the front of this note that represents your valley of bones, what would it be? What would you write? What, what, are, you, what are you facing? I want to take your pen, and would you write down just one word on your note? Some of you are going to know instantly what that word is. Maybe a relationship has dried up for you. You're about to call it quits. You could write relationship. Maybe it's a health crisis, if it's, you know, diabetes or cancer or thyroid, whatever your condition is, just write one word on there, would you? Or maybe, you know, your finances are going through a dry spell, and you don't know how you're actually going to make it through this spring. You can just write money, just one word. What's the bone you have to pick with God? I want you to write that one word that God's brought to your mind on this note as I talk here. It could be a dream. It could be something in your past, that you, a dream that you had. That you would say, God's going to make this come true. I mean, I, I, he's called me to do this, but now it's dried up. And you're like, I, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. Maybe it's the dream of having a family. If, if, if you can't have kids, you can write infertility. Maybe it's the dream of, of being married. You could write singleness. On, uh, last Wednesday at our prayer and, and our worship night, I had the chance to pray with a group of single women who are just kind of struggling through that. Well, here's the deal. Whatever you are facing today, you need to understand something very important. Your God is a bone collector. He sees every single one of these needs. Can you say bone collector? He's a bone collector. And what God specializes in doing, particularly on Easter, is breathing new life into hopeless situations. In in verse 3, God asks Ezekiel, he says, Son of man, take a look. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel must have looked around, you know, at the valley. And he saw all these bones. And they're just like bleached. They've been there for years. And he says, Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And it kind of sounds like, well, you know, God, you're, you know, I have a feeling it was a little bit more like, I doubt it. <laughs> Only you know. <laughs> maybe you look at the bone in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's tragic, something seemingly beyond repair. And you say, I just don't see how this is ever going to bounce back. And yet today, God's asking you this question. He's saying, can these bones live? Look at the situation in your hand. In other words, God's saying, do you think that I'm actually big enough and strong enough and compassionate enough to do something with your dry bones? Do you think that I could take the leftovers of a tragic loss, a desperate situation, maybe a dream that's dried up, and breathe life back into them? Because our God's a bone collector who specializes in hopeless situations. Amen? The disciples had dry bones. I want you to think about this on that Friday before Easter. Everything the disciples had given their lives to came crashing down. All the hopes, all the dreams, all the aspirations they had for Jesus dried up in a moment. I want you to imagine you gave three years of your life to following a man because you believed he was the chosen one of God, the Savior. And then he's abruptly arrested. He goes through a trumped-up trial, and he's literally put to death in a single weekend. His body, his bones, literally in the ground within 24 hours. His disciples went from the mountaintop with Jesus. 
just shaking their head wondering, Where, where's God? For three days, they wandered in a, in, in a, in a haze, wondering, can, can these bones live? What they forgot is that the Lord's primary identity in Ezekiel is a bone collector who specializes in bringing dead things to life. How did God do this with Jesus? How does he do it with, with us? How does he do it with you? How does he do it with me? The answer is in verse 4. Look what the text says. It says, God said to Ezekiel, prophesy or preach to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Is anybody glad that God has a word for your life today? I'm prophesying. It's what preaching is. And it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. Let's say this together. And you will come to life because of Jesus Christ. Yours is a story about life, not death. Yours is a story about the future. It's not about the past. And you may say, well, Tim, you don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, a single mom or I'm divorced or I had an affair or I've been on drugs or Tim, I've been in prison before. I have skeletons in my closet. Maybe you live with regret or there's something in your past that's come back to haunt you recently, and you're wondering, can these bones live? And the word of the Lord says to you, you will come to life because your God, your God is a bone collector. If Ezekiel teaches us nothing, it's that God sees that every single one of these things that his people have gone through, all the hurt, all the pain, all the tears, every single one of these images of decay and giving up, he puts them all, he doesn't Miss a single bone. I've got to get all of them. If some of them scattered in there, if you've got teeth, throw them up on stage. Now's your moment here. But he takes them, and he says, I collect and see every single... Someone did. Someone threw a bone. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Here's a hand. Here's the, here's the dentures. Wow, there's a lot here. He takes every single bone. He collects them, and he says, if you believe in me, you will come to life. He says, I'm going to attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'm going to put breath in you and you'll come to life and you'll know that I'm the Lord. I'm speaking to somebody today. (laughs) This may be your first time, but you need to hear God's word to you. These bones aren't dead. They're sleeping. I want you to imagine you're Ezekiel. Old Testament prophets are crazy. His job was to preach to a bunch of bones. And what's incredible, he's like, okay, I'll do it. Ezekiel preached to these bones the way that I'm preaching to you. And it says, as I was prophesying, There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone by bone. In other words, there was a whole lot of shaking going on. A whole lot of shaking. And there's this noise noise comes from the valley floor. And suddenly what happens? I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man. Say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. And as I prophesied, as he commanded me, and guess what happened? Let's say it together. Breath entered them. They came to life. They stood up on their feet. A vast army. It is one thing to gather up the broken pieces of your life. And offer to God and say, you can only put, you put this back together. But it's a whole other deal when God starts speaking and suddenly everything starts shaking. And, well, everybody say hello to Angelina Jolie. Just, just say hi to her for a minute. Here, she's a beauty, isn't she? God starts putting this back together. He says, I'm going to take your life and I'm going to, first the thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give it structure. 
It doesn't have life in it yet, but I'm going to start taking the pieces and I'm going to start knitting this back together in a way that you can't possibly imagine because I have the power to raise the dead. And this is amazing because um, if you've lost something or, or someone that you love, you know this doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while to put things back together. But the Lord can do this because he's a bone collector. And he collects our hurts and he collects our tears. And he says, if you believe in me, if you call out my name and you cry out in your need, I will put my breath into you. Do you guys remember any old school, like Baptist people here? You guys remember this song from Sunday school? Them bones, them bones, them. Dry bones, them bones, them bones, them. You guys remember dry bones? Look at it. I love it. Some of the Pharisees singing this is good. The punchline of that is, oh, hear the word of the Lord. And some of you need to hear the, the, the word of the Lord today because this is a word of hope for your future. You desperately need the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your life. If you look at verse 8, it says this, the skeleton starts coming together on the floor in front of Ezekiel's eyes. And God makes tendons and flesh and skin start covering them. But there was just one problem. What's it say? There was no what? There was no breath in them. In other words... Their life started coming together, but it was still just a corpse. Maybe that's what others of you are experiencing today. You're like, he's not talking about me. I'm not hurting. I got everything together. I've, I've got structure. I've got strength. In other words, things look good on the outside. Maybe you have money. You have kids. You're not in a valley today because all is going according to plan, at, at least according to your plan. In other words, Ezekiel is saying you can have the appearance of life. You can have a job that pays the bills but has zero satisfaction. You can have kids who are a success and actually go to a good school, but they're far from the Lord. So you can have money and friends and power and affluence and still be dead inside. You can literally be crippled by fear, riddled by anxiety, empty of compassion. In other words, you have the appearance of life, but the Spirit of God has left the building. Amen? Maybe this is a picture of your spiritual life. Because you can go to church, you can read your Bible, you can tithe your 10% and be passionless because there's no, no spirit of God in you. Your passion, the idea of crying out to God is like a foreign concept. I have preached in plenty of churches that looked like this, full of dry bones. Look, this is Elder Jones. Can you say hello to him? He's like chairman of the board. Get your head straight, man. If you've been to churches that have the appearance of life. In other words, they have buildings, they have pretty people, they have pious talk, but there's no spirit. The church is a bag of dry bones. And here's the deal. Those churches, God says, they're nothing to me. You need the breath of God. If that thing's ever going to come back to life. And the good news is, God is not just a bone collector. He's a breath giver. In verse 9, the Lord said, prophesy to the breath and come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. And in the Bible, the word for breath is pneuma, like, like pneumatic tire, wind, air, the living breath of God. And revival is basically where God gives mouth to mouth to his bride, the church, because she's dead and dry. And the truth is, God brought some of you here today to give you that word. And his, his word is this, that lifeless situation you're looking at, those dry bones that you're like, I don't know if we can get this back to good. They never will unless the Holy Spirit enters your life. Amen? Unless you are filled with the spirit of the living God. Numa, breath, breathe, receive the spirit of God. Your marriage may have dried up and it is, it's, it's dead on the floor. You're like, it's, it's worse than that, Tim. It's all falling apart. 
You can read a book. You can try therapy. You can do couples counseling. But what you really need is the Holy Spirit if you're going to resurrect that relationship, restoration. If you have a physical illness, you can change your diet. You can see a specialist. All of those things are critical and obvious. But unless you have the power of the risen Christ to heal your broken body and heart, you're a bag of bones. I'm not talking to you about let's get religious. Jesus did not die to start a new religion. <laughs> okay, he didn't. If you're new to church, uh, this whole thing, I am not. You are, please don't hear, mishear me. We're not asking you to join religion today. <laughs> religion will kill you. This is where religion takes you. Religion is when you think you earn God's favor by following the rules. And in Jesus' day, the Pharisees were the religious people. They memorized their Bibles. They led a good life because they thought that will force God into blessing us. And you know what Jesus said to them? He said, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of what? Say it together. Dead men's bones and everything unclean. In other words, Jesus is like religion... That's what religion is. It's people puffed up with pride and judging others. And Jesus is like, I want no part of that. It's dead. I'm after somebody humble enough to admit that they can't be their own savior. That you can't actually raise the dead parts of your life back to life and recognize that in God's eyes, this is you. This is, did you know that? In God's eyes, before we invite Christ to live in our heart. This is how God sees us, spiritually dead. The Bible says you're dead in your trespasses. Translation, we all wind up on the bone pile at some point. And I don't mean to be a downer on Easter. Some of you look very pretty. You know, we probably even have a few ties today, okay, or floppy hats or something. But if you haven't asked Jesus Christ into your heart to forgive your sins, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that's you. Like Israel, cut off from God, without hope, spiritually dead, no future. You need Jesus Christ. And you need his spirit if you want eternal life. That's Ezekiel's promise, his prophecy, his prediction. He says, you will come to life. That's why Jesus was raised to life. He died, yes, for what? Your sins. But he was raised for what? Your eternal life. By his wounds, you're healed. By his breath, you live. And the Bible says the day after Easter, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord because he just kind of walked into the room and it says, with that, what did he do? This is so critical. What did Jesus do first thing after being raised from the dead? He what? Breathed on them and said, let's read it together. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Spirit. Numa, life, breath, the breath of God, eternal life. I don't know what your need is today. What dry bones need God's touch? But your greatest need is not religion. You need a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. You need a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit for whatever it is you're facing. Because only the Spirit-filled life of Jesus can actually give you the power and strength to get up off the floor and breathe again. That's the only thing that can do it, I guarantee you. If that is your greatest need today, if you've never, like said, I have never actually come to a moment, like I like Jesus, I like what I'm hearing about him, but I've never asked him to live in me to live his life out through me. You got to write salvation on this piece of paper. That is your greatest need because that's how you come to life. You confess your sin and say, take my dead life and give me the new life of Christ. I want him in me. I want him to live through me. I'm giving, he's my Lord, he's my savior. That's how you come to life. That's Ezekiel's promise. Can we say these words together? You will come to what? Life. 
And if you come to life to a living faith and a risen Savior, you know what that means? Nothing that happens to you. Nothing. None of this can touch you. Whatever happens, not, not disease, not divorce, not death, nothing can separate you from the living love of God in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that makes all the difference, guys. Because when your faith journey takes you through the valley of dry bones, you don't have to worry anymore. Because the Spirit of God is in you and leading you. And as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil because why? Christ is with you. And that changes everything. At least it did for JP and Sam. My friend said, you know, losing my job knocked the wind out of me. Did you hear him say that? But because of Christ, he never lost his breath completely. And the Spirit of God provided for his family in a miraculous way. About December, we had gone through and looked for so many jobs and we just knew that things were going to turn around. But in order to make sure our hearts were in the right place, we just, we, we doubled down on service. Instead of wasting time with anxiety, we put all that time and energy into doubling down on, with Christ. We had all this extra time and in our hearts we knew that through serving others, um, we would actually be serving ourselves as well. You know, besides really looking hard for a job, he was on the phone with you guys at church. It seemed like all the time, what can I do? You know, I have extra time now. I can help. What do you need? You know, one of the best things in, that, that I did was um, make my faith my job. I think it was awesome. I think it was one of the best things he could have done because it kept his mind off of you know, not working. And instead, he was fully working for the Lord. I remember that um, when my job offer came in, I had, I had actually gone to this company and um, pitched them to give me some freelance work. And L.A. Reid just sat there grinning at me from across the table. And they offered me a job right there. He, he called me and said, um, L.A. wants to hire me. What in the world are you talking about? <laughs> it was just, it came out of nowhere. This job just came out of nowhere. We had fasted um, from New Year's Day until February 1. And February 1 is the day the job offer came in. That's how I remember when it happened. We were celebrating. We were dancing around. It was fun. We were all surprised by the offer because it had been such a, um, a rocky road the past couple of years. It felt good to know that God um, felt that strongly about me. And then we went... <sighs> we breathed again. We had breath. Yeah, felt alive. We heard for the Lord, for the Spirit of the Lord. Our God's a bone collector. Say bone collector. Bone collector. He actually resurrects careers. He restores marriages. He breathes life into helpless situations. Ezekiel spoke. He spoke life. You see this? He spoke the word of the Lord to God's people. And what happened? It says, breath entered them. And they came to life and they stood upon their feet. A vast army. A vast army. In other words, it's not just Sam and JP. Because when the Holy Spirit breathes life into a church, we see whole groups of people, an army of people, 
experiencing his touch of revival. I see this all around in our church. You guys remember Jose and Kristen Moravi? Incredible couple. Last year at this time, we were praying, we were fasting for their unborn son, Samuel, if you remember. He was in the womb. He had severe medical issues when we were praying and fasting as a church that God would do a miracle and he was stillborn. And I remember that funeral that spring, how heavy that was. And this spring, a year later, Jose and Kristen, they never let go of faith during this whole thing because they had the spirit of Christ in them. And I, this spring, I get a different email because Kristen is pregnant again, 100% healthy this time. Can we hear it for that? Their joy is double. <laughs> Could God bring life to your family situation? Yes, he can. Another woman emailed me this week. She said, I, I, I started fasting last week. I thought I'd die, but I didn't. <laughs> And my focus has been my oldest son who's applying for college. We wanted him to go to a great school and we have no money with which to do it. So it's been really, really stressful. So I prayed some more and last night I met my son's guidance counselor in ShopRite. (laughs) Turns out she's good friends with the admissions officer at the school he applied to and was kind enough to make a phone call for him. Listen to this. This morning she called me and told me that he's been accepted and awarded a $16,000 scholarship. We are so excited, and I guess when there's a deadline to be met, God works pretty quickly. She sees a deadline, and God throws a lifeline. Look around you. This is a picture, guys, of revival, of restoration. I actually want to see this. I want you to think about this. Can God restore you financially? Yes, he can. They're not isolated incidents, guys. What happens when God's word begins speaking life, families, children, health, things get restored. Would you hold up your dry bone right now? You got one. You probably put a word on it. Can these bones live? Yes, they can. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine your Ezekiel. Would you just think about this for a moment? Last couple minutes here. That you walked out into a valley and you come upon this scene right here. And in the middle of this valley, you see this guy standing there and he's preaching. He's screaming. He's yelling at this skeleton, at these bones. He's going, ah, ah. And you see this guy and you're like, who is this, Charlie Sheen? Like, what did I, like, what did I walk into? And it's like, no, it's a preacher. And you're like, well, that's why I don't like preachers. And, and I, I, like, I like Bible teachers, not preachers. You know what? The only difference between a teacher and a preacher is that a teacher tells it and a preacher yells it. And I'm yelling this morning because when you're preaching, guess what happens? There's rattling and there's shaking. There's all sorts of mess. But guess what? The dead start dancing. And that's what happened with Ezekiel. It was a powerful, powerful moment, okay? They got up on their feet. They started doing the hokey pokey because when God's spirit blows, people come to life. What does it say? It says God's people came to life. And they stood up on their feet of vast army. Would you stand up on your feet? Stand up. Come on. I'm not the only nut in here. Stand up. All our campuses, stand on up. If you've got the spirit of God living in you, stand up. I want to see an army. Look around you. Just look around you. These are people with the power of the resurrected Christ inside of them. You're not part of a dying church. Ours is a story about life. And listen to me. This on Easter morning, God wants to speak resurrection power into your life. Hold up your bone. Hold it up. Because I want to speak life into you in the name of Jesus. If God's spirit lives in you, you'll never be the same. Do you know how Romans 8 describes this? Let's read this together. We're one vast army. We're standing all over New Jersey. Big, loud voice. Let's read this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit 
who lives in you. The same power that conquered the grave and raised Jesus lives in you, Hugo. Lives in you, Ryan. Lives in you, Janet. The same power lives in you. He lives in you. Hold up your bone. This is a moment for you to trade death for life. If you have never invited Christ to live in your heart, to bring you to life, that's how you gain entrance to heaven. But I'll mark it, that's not all. It's how you get power for living on earth. You gotta call upon the name of the Lord and he's bigger than your issue and he's speaking life to you and he wants to bring you to your feet. You know why? Because he's gonna use your pain. All you've gone through has a purpose. He wants to use your life for his glory, okay? Everything you go through has a purpose. It doesn't matter what this note is. God has a hope and he has a future for you because he's a bone collector. Jesus is a grave robber. That's why the tomb's empty. And if you offer him your life, guess what? He will come to life. Can you say it? You'll come to life. We speak life into broken bodies. We speak life into dying relationships. Let's bow our heads for just a minute. We speak life. We speak restoration, God, of things that have been taken from us, dreams that have dried up. Lord, restoration of finances. Death didn't hold Jesus, and debt can't hold his followers. God, right now I pray for those with addictions that we speak freedom in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. No matter what you've lost, God can restore this. He doesn't care if there are skeletons in your closet. God, we ask forgiveness for past sins. Wave your bone if you believe this. Receive from Christ. God's a bone collector. Will you give this to him? This is not for you to take home. This is for you now to give him as an act of faith. I want to show you right now what I wrote on my bone. Let me just show you here right now. Everyone can open your eyes for just a minute as you're standing here. I wrote the word bones, not because of the sermon, but because of my father who has cancer in his bones. He has cancer in his hip and his spine, and it's been very hard for our family this spring, very hard. But guess what? We're holding on to hope. Scripture says, even when you're outwardly wasting away, you can be renewed inwardly day by day because you realize if God did this for his son, he can do it for my dad in Jesus' name. We speak healing into him, whether in this life or the next. That's my prayer. Lord, heal the bones my father that's my prayer on easter morning doing him what you did in jesus do it in my whole family who's struggling with faith or fear will you turn your bone over to god today if you're willing right now to trade death for life here's what i want you to do pass your note to the center aisle go ahead all our campuses pass your note to the center aisle and we're gonna have ushers come down and they're gonna take your bone and we're gonna place these needs before the living God. Give him your bone. We're going to put him on the cross. This is the site of God's greatest miracle. There's a cloth over it because Jesus is no longer there. This is where Christ conquered Satan, sin, and death, and he lives to bring you to life. God's a bone collector. Bring him your bones. Let me receive some of these. Can I have some? Oh, oh. 
Father, I pray right now, Father, I'm just looking at some of these, Father. I see marriage. I see relationship. Father, we pray restoration and the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you grant your children forgiveness of each other? Melt the wall, the divide, God. Save those families, we ask in Jesus' name. Father God, we're praying for people who've had surgery. I see the word surgery on here. God, I ask that you'd bring full healing into the bodies of people, Father, and they'll know it's the touch of Jesus Christ, that he who raised Jesus from the dead is alive and working in their bodies to restore them to health. Father God, we pray that for people with cancer. We pray that for Joey. We pray that, I see some names on here for Dan. Father God, we pray for our family members right now in the, in the power of Jesus Christ that you'll move Restore them to health, Father God, that they may see and know the Father's love and care for them. pray right now for the for the men and women who are struggling with singleness god would you fill them in a fresh way god right now would you speak hope into them father don't let anything grow bitter or brittle god just just keep their heart open father thank you for what you're doing inside of them father and we pray lord we pray for godly marriages that you'll bring some of them into relationship this year father i pray for people who are struggling with debt and finances god that's all of us (laughs) We trust you right now, God, for your provision. You've called us to live in the garden state. And Father, you've called many of us to ministry. And that's what I pray right now, God. Would you just flourish your people? Let this be a year, Father, not just of prosperity, but God of life, of vitality, so that we can even serve others, Lord, and give. people who are struggling right now with depression, Lord, all these issues, these are overwhelming to us, God, but I ask that the Spirit of Holy, the Holy Spirit right now, we just invite your presence, God, as we worship you, Father. We receive from you right now the fullness of life, of the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. We call it out right now, and we ask you to have more and more of us as a church, God. Receive our prayers. Breathe life into them, Lord. Let us know we're being touched by your Spirit. And I ask that in the name of Jesus. Let's all say it together. God's people said, amen. Amen. Can we hear it for Christ? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.